0: Touch that dial now. We're just getting started. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 53 of Save Crystal. Today's episode is going to be like a Resident Evil marathon. Uh, let me explain. On my YouTube channel, Save Crystal Gaming, I have reviewed the first Resident Evil, second, and third. And. I had said a while back that I was going to do an episode covering Resident Evil 4. Well, my OCD will get in the way, and I'm like, well, technically, I've never... I talk about it a lot because I'm a big Resident Evil fan, but technically, I have never, on the podcast, put the reviews of the first three games. So before I can talk about the fourth one, I have to just put the three out there. So that's what this episode's going to be. It's going to be uh, the review of 1, 2, and 3, all crammed into this episode. And then the following episode, next episode, episode 54, I will cover Resident Evil 4. I know I said I was going to do it a while back, and it got away from me. Well, people have been messaging me, asking me when it's coming. And when things get away from me, I eventually get to them. And I can tell you right now, the next episode will be covering Resident Evil 4. So, like I said, if you want These are all off of my YouTube channel. I've previously done these reviews. If you would like to see the video versions, you can check it out. Like I said, Save Crystal Gaming. Go under my reviews and there are uh, the video versions of these three Resident Evil reviews you're going to hear today. So that being said, I don't really have an open, but I have a couple questions, some Q&As that were sent in. Uh, I'll read like two or three of them. And uh, that's what we'll do for the open. So let's do it. Alright, the first question is from early combat and they ask what is your thoughts on Super Mario 64 selling for over a million (sighs) dollars. Okay, so this was at an auction. And um, these are sealed games and they were they were graded by the um, company Wada, which I'll get to that in a second. This of course made mainstream news. Uh, because I believe this is the most expensive video game ever, the most that anyone's ever paid for a video game ever. And what blows my mind about that is the fact that it's not even considered a holy grail item. You know, Super Mario sixty four, I believe, released in nineteen ninety six, so it's not that old. But <sighs> there were many, there were millions of these copies produced. And sold. So it's not like it's hard to come by. Now, maybe um, not so many sealed ones are out there. I'm sure there's probably a good bit, though. And the whole thing about grading, let me get to that real quick. Because all of these games that sold, um, I think the news really only talked about the Legend of Zelda sealed NES copy went for uh 870,000 and then of course Super Mario 64 selling for a million but weren't the only two games that that sold there were multiple and I'll just give you a couple here Super Mario World for Super Nintendo was graded at a 9.4 and went for 360,000 Super Mario Bros the original game for NES was rated at a 9.6 and went for 228,000 And then The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time was rated at a 9.8 and went for 228000 So for those of you who might not know what I mean by getting a game graded, there's only two companies that I can think of. There's WADA, uh, which they rate their games out of 10, and then there's VGA, who rate theirs out of 100. So this is what you would do, is you would take your sealed copy of whatever game it is, you would send it to them, pay them money to inspect it, send it back with a grade of the condition that it is in. That is the silliest thing I've ever heard of. I've never understood the whole grading thing. Yes, they look nice in the acrylic case. They come in with a nice little rating on them. But you're almost better off than to just keep the game sealed, and put it in your own acrylic case. I mean, why do you need some random Joe to tell you, oh, you know what, I think this is a, I don't know, I think this is a 75 out of 100. When, to me, maybe I think, and I look at it, and I'm like, nah, I don't think that rating's right. I would have at least gave it a 85 or something like that. But I do have a graded game. It's Resident Evil Three. It's one of my all-time favorite games. I did not send it away to have it graded. I purchased this game when a local um, game store came into town. This was right. This was in the glass case, and it was a really good price. Was not expensive uh, at all. And me loving Resident Evil, it's graded by VGA, and it's an 85 out of 100. Me loving Resident Evil saw the price. I was like, you know what? That's pretty cool. And at that point in time, I knew really nothing about grading. I even asked the guy there when I bought it, it's like, what does this mean? And he had to explain it to me. So I know there are people who collect sealed games uh, and and even send them off to have them graded. I think it's a waste of money. Why do you need somebody to tell you, you know, what what condition your game's in? You know, the seal, Uh, of the plastic on your game. I don't know. That's just me. But I do think this, uh, this was done at an auction. I think it's insane. And I'll tell you why. There are games like, you know, I guess this isn't even a Holy Grail item. You take Nintendo world championships, which one of those sold at the auction too, but not for, not for a million, but that Nintendo world championship cartridges have been known as uh, one of the tippy top, Collectors' items for for a video game collector. The gray cartridges were used in the championship uh, games themselves, the actually used in the competition, and then the gold ones were Nintendo Power giveaways. These I can understand. You know, I've seen those go for thousands of dollars, and uh, just now at this auction, it went for over a hundred thousand. That to me, I honestly. I, even if I had the money, I don't even know if that would, (laughs) I just can't imagine spending that kind of money on a video game cartridge. Uh, even though it would be cool to say that you have it in your collection, I just, I, I don't know. But what I'm saying is these, these games, it's almost understandable with those because they're limited, you know, they're super mario 64 like i had mentioned millions of copies exist i just don't i I don't understand and it's kind of scary because yes these are graded however now you're going to get copycats you're going to get people that look at their sealed copy of super mario 64 and they're like oh my god i can sell this for a million dollars i don't know what the odds are of this ever happening again I think it was a bad transaction. I think the person uh, who spent that kind of money on that game got burnt. They got burnt. But, you know, people people who have money, they're going to spend it the way they want to, and that is perfectly fine. But just because you have money doesn't mean you don't make stupid decisions. And that's exactly what I think this was, a stupid decision. All right, on to the next question. This is from Ray9610. Will you ever do an episode ranking the Sega consoles? Yes. Yes, that will happen. Um, probably probably sooner than later, actually. That's been on my list for a while. And um, who knows, that might actually be after the Resident Evil 4 episode, unless something comes up. But I don't want to make any promises for when it's coming out. But it will happen, so... Be watching for that uh, and we're gonna go with one more here because i spent a little bit of time there on the first comment uh privy Ace says i want to start a game room but i have no idea where to begin what is your opinion i think i've had a similar question like this before where do you begin begin where you want you know be begin where you want if you're wanting a game room i said in a previous episode somebody asked me a question I don't so much collect video games anymore, unless it's a game that I want, but I like to collect gaming um, memorabilia, I guess you can call it that, stuff that was in stores like cardboard standees and stuff to promote. I love that kind of stuff. So obviously, if you want a game room, you should start with games, but you got to figure out first what you want to collect you want to collect your favorite games? Do you want to collect for your favorite console? Maybe you're a huge fan. We were just talking about ranking Sega consoles. Maybe you're a huge fan of the Sega Saturn. So maybe you want to collect Sega Saturn games or Sega Saturn merchandise or memorabilia or whatever you want to call it. Uh, But honestly, when you start a game room, um, it, it just starts with whatever it is that you enjoy collecting. All right, I want to thank you all for sending in those questions. You can send me your questions on my YouTube channel under the community tab of Save Crystal Gaming, or on Anchor, you can visit my, um, you could just look for Save Crystal Podcast, and there is an area there where you can send me messages. So uh, be sure, though, guys, to subscribe if you haven't to the Save Crystal Podcast. We're about to hop into today's episode, the reviews of Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3. Resident Evil, also known as Biohazard, released March 22, 1996, and was developed by Capcom. I remember getting this game when I was 6 years old. I went to our local game store, and my mom let me pick out any game I wanted, so I picked Resident Evil. And it came with a strategy guide. Yeah, that's right. I was 6, and my mom bought me Resident Evil. But that's okay, because she's awesome like that, and I think I turned out okay. I could never beat the game though. at 6 years old, using the book, I got pretty far, and I I just knew what I was playing was special. If the start screen doesn't get you pumped, I don't know what will. Selecting the new game option and hearing the voice say, Resident Evil, it's just epic. I don't know. Maybe you have to be a horror fan, whether it be movies or games. I know personally for me, survival horror is my favorite. So at the start we get a live action intro, I can't recall any game really doing this before this game, but I mean it's okay, it makes you feel like you're watching a movie and it's setting the story. The biggest part of the game takes place inside the mansion, and it's where the first cutscene of the actual game takes place. Depending on what character you choose, you will see a slightly different first cutscene. I'm not here to spoil a, a whole lot, but come on. It's been over 20 years, shame on you if you haven't experienced this. But come on, are you really going to trust a guy who wears sunglasses indoors at night? It's just a red flag. So let's get it out of the way. The voice acting is horrendous. The lines feel like they're being delivered hard, and by that I mean these voice actors are delivering their lines in dramatic fashion. For example, something as simple as saying, Hey, don't open that door, turned into, Where's Chris? Stop it! Don't open that door! It's just not good. What's funny is a famous line in the game is when Jill is almost crushed but Barry comes to the rescue, uh, he, he says that she's almost a Jill sandwich. It's too close. You were almost a Jill sandwich. You're right! Who comes up with that? In Capcom's game Dead Rising, this is a restaurant within the mall named Jill Sandwiches and it's hilarious. As I mentioned earlier, you have the option of choosing different characters, and your option is Chris or Jill. There are differences. If you choose Chris, the game is harder, and you get less inventory slots, but he can take more hits. If you choose Jill, you get more inventory slots, but can take fewer hits. Jill also gets a lockpick, which comes in handy since Barry calls her the Master of Unlocking. Here's a lockpick. It might be handy if you, the Master of Unlocking, Taken with you. I'm telling you, the dialogue is—it's terrible. But Chris comes with a lighter, and since he doesn't have a lockpick, he has to find little keys to open drawers and stuff, and it's just complicated. So I prefer playing as Jill. The game takes some critical shots because of its camera angles and controls, but I think it adds to the survival horrorness. Yes, I just made up my own word, horrorness. And also, having limited saves gets the game criticism but I love the door animations. It's super eerie and suspenseful wondering what's on the other side of the door. Safe rooms have item boxes where you can empty your inventory to free up space and come back later for an item you put away. Which leads me to... The Japanese developers made games harder for Americans due to renting games at rental stores. They didn't like people renting the game then beating it so quickly and returning it, so they made them more difficult So they removed things from the game like auto-aim, they eliminated some ink ribbons which is what you use to save your game. So you had fewer saves and you almost, almost had to deal with this. They almost made it to where each item box was not connected. So like if you put a gem away in the item box on the second floor, it won't be in the item box on the first floor. I know it's more realistic that way but I'm so glad that didn't happen, that would have been terrible. On March 22nd, 2002, exactly six years after Resident Evil released, a remake of the game released for GameCube, and it's a breath of fresh air. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying the original is terrible. It has good features and bad ones, just like any game would. Take a look at this side-by-side comparison between the remake and the original, and tell me that's not like a breath of fresh air. The graphics, the voiceover, the environment is so much better. I think it's best though, to play the original Resident Evil, then play the remake to truly appreciate it. In 2015 a high definition version of the remake was released and I recommend this version over the GameCube version. Same game, just looks better. Resident Evil was such an iconic game and still to this day defines survival horror for me and a lot of people. Walking through that dim lit mansion with the thunderstorm raging outside and not to mention every hall is lurking with zombies and jump scares. If you haven't, go back to where it all started. play both versions and enter the survival horror. Three stars members left now Captain Wesker, Barry and myself. We don't know where Chris is. Resident Evil 2 also known as biohazard 2 released January 21st 1998 developed by Capcom. out of the original three games this was one I wasn't very familiar with. In my opinion, Resident Evil 2 is a lot easier than the first Resident Evil, especially the puzzles. With that being said, I'll just say it doesn't hurt the game at all. It's another very good game. Originally the game began development in 1996 immediately after Resident Evil 1. The game has many differences to Resident Evil 1, and one of them being the voice acting. It has really improved since the days of Jill Sandwiches and Masters of Unlocking. Another difference in the game is the environment. You get to explore the streets of Raccoon City, the police station, the sewers, and many more locations, where in Resident Evil 1 it felt isolated since you spent majority of the time inside the mansion. But that's not as bad as it may sound. It's actually an eerie feeling being confined inside a mansion with the dead. Resident Evil 2 introduces two new main characters, Leon and Claire. It's obvious Leon is meant to look like Leonardo DiCaprio, with Titanic and Romeo and Juliet being released around this time, I can see why they'd do this. DiCaprio was a big name and had the spotlight. Claire is the other character, and she is actually the sister of Chris Redfield from the first game. Claire is voiced by Allison Court, who was known for her work on the children's television show The Big Comfy Couch. Probably the biggest feature of this game was offering scenario A and B, for example, you could choose to play as Leon first, then upon clearing the game with Leon, you could select the play Claire B, which is her journey, from where she split with Leon in the opening scene. You can do this the opposite way as well, play as Claire first, and then Leon. It's been two months since the mansion incident, and the virus has spread throughout Raccoon City. What's really cool is Resident Evil 2 and 3 are happening at the same time, but I'll talk more about that in my Resident Evil 3 review. Resident Evil 2 became the fastest selling video game in North America. On the weekend following its release, it sold 380,000 copies and grossed $19 million. It broke previous sales records set by video games Final Fantasy 7 and Super Mario 64. On August 12, 2015, it was confirmed that a remake of Resident Evil 2 is already in development. Can't really find anything bad to say about this game. It's another classic. Unless you're one to complain about graphics and the old school Resident Evil controls, there really isn't an issue here. Resident Evil 2 has been called by many as the best in the series, but that's totally up to you. I wouldn't call it my favorite, but it's pretty awesome and they don't make them like they used to. Resident Evil 3 Nemesis released September 22, 1999, developed by Capcom. Out of the series, this one is probably my favorite with the remake of the first game slightly behind it. Resident Evil 3 takes place just two months after the mansion incident, and it begins one day before Resident Evil 2. The player takes control of Jill Valentine, a returning character from Resident Evil 1. Almost all, and I mean all, are Raccoon City citizens have been transformed into zombies by the outbreak of the T-Virus created by Umbrella. The game plays the same as the two games that came before it, but we have some new features. One of the features gives you the opportunity at different times in the game to make decisions. I'm not sure if there is a right or wrong decision, but it steers the story in a slightly different way. Slightly meaning, the path to the end will be different, but the game ends the same way every time. The biggest new feature for the game is your worst nightmare, and he won't go away. Resident Evil 3 introduces Nemesis, a monster programmed to target surviving Stars members and anyone who witnessed Umbrella's experiments. This is why he can be heard saying "Stars" repeatedly. I feel that Resident Evil 3 is the scariest Resident Evil of the first three games, and Nemesis is a big component of that. He shows up out of nowhere, and the best advice I can give you is to just run. Don't fight him until you absolutely have to. Not knowing when he's going to show up makes you nervous as you progress through the game, and when he does, it's like an instant heart attack. Also, the fact that you most likely are the only one alive, it's terrifying. So this game, you get to see a lot of Raccoon City, where in Resident Evil 1, you were confined to the mansion for the majority of the game, and in Resident Evil 2, you got a taste of Raccoon City with exploring the police station, a few streets, and the sewers. In Resident Evil 3, you explore uptown, downtown, the police station, the city hall, the clock tower, the hospital, Raccoon Park, and more. Resident Evil 2 and 3 actually mesh together. Supposedly you can see the burning truck from the beginning scene of Resident Evil 2 in Resident Evil 3. But the thing I find to be the best is Brad Vickers is a STARS member and actually flew the helicopter at the end of Resident Evil 1. Well he meets his death very early in Resident Evil 3 at the hands of Nemesis but the coolest part about it is if you start Resident Evil 2 and get to the police station without picking up a single item a zombie form of Brad can be found. So this is leading us to know that the first encounter with Nemesis in Resident Evil 3 happened before the crash at the beginning of Resident Evil 2. I know that sounds a little complicated but if you really think about it it's so awesome. If you kill zombie Brad in Resident Evil 2 he has a key where you can get different outfits. Resident Evil 3 did something similar. If you beat the game, you get the boutique key, and you can choose different outfits for Jill as well. Also, after completing the game, you unlock a mini-game called The Mercenaries. Jill isn't the only playable character. You get to play as Carlos at a certain point. Fans were a little disappointed in Resident Evil 3 because it didn't have scenarios A and B like Resident Evil 2, but it didn't bother me at all. I enjoy this game a lot, and it has a very high replay value in my opinion. Check it out, you can get it for PlayStation 1, also on PlayStation 3 if you go to the PlayStation Store you can find it. It's also on Sega Dreamcast, Nintendo GameCube, and Microsoft Windows.